We continue this morning orienting ourselves to the living present to reality. This is so different than past and future, which are mental formations. We do that orientation by putting our attention or our mind gently into our body, our body filling our awareness. The way we do that is to find the most comfortable, upright, relaxed posture, finding in whichever way you do that center point, that point of balance and effortlessness, And we begin that process of connecting again beyond just the concept of our body on the cushion to the whole world of sensations. Sensations of contact of our rear, heaviness, hardness, the touch of our hands until the hands vanish and there's just the sensations the touch of our lips, our eyelids, until we just feel those sensations. That range of sensations that gives us a sense of our whole body. Can feel, can be the aliveness, Vibration, pulsing. Until we feel intimate with the field of sensation. And once again we connect with and sustain our attention as a support for staying present, for harmonizing our mind and body, for developing focus and a calm abiding, we connect and sustain our attention to the sensations that we feel when our body breathes. And we receive the sensations with complete receptivity and openness. And we notice that sometimes the waves of breath sensations are smooth, sometimes they're rough, Sometimes they're deep, sometimes they're shallow. Long waves, short waves. We simply notice how the body is breathing. We feel it intimately. We stick to those sensations as they present themselves in our mind. 
And we trust that we only need to notice the sensation that's occurring now, not the one that has come before, not the one that has not yet occurred, just this experience of sensation. We continue to use these sensations of breathing as our primary anchor, support. However, this morning we will also include in the instructions and in our experience a whole range of other physical sensations that may from time to time become stronger than the sensations of breathing, become predominant where the breath begins to recede and something else calls our attention. So whenever any other physical sensation is stronger than the breath, we let the breath recede and we let our attention receive and meet that predominant sensation with openness and acceptance, curiosity. We investigate its quality a little bit, its pleasantness or its unpleasantness, its neutrality. But more importantly, we investigate the quality of its feeling Is it aching? Is it burning? Is it stabbing? Is it itching? Is it tingling? Is it squeezing? Is it cool? Is it warm? Hot? Vibrating? Pulsing? So we investigate its feeling tone, as we spoke about a little bit last night. We investigate its quality. And more than anything, with a non-interfering awareness, a non-agenda awareness, we notice what happens to the sensations that are being known. We notice what happens to them naturally, whether they become stronger, whether they fade away, pass away, or morph into some other sensation. We notice their nature. And when they are no longer predominant or compelling or have faded away, we notice their passing. And in that gap or that openness that it remains, we gently, in behalf of staying anchored to this unfolding present, we connect again with the sensations of breathing. Now it's quite common that certain unpleasant sensations come accompanied with a strong reaction of resistance, fear, tensing, 
an attitude of contentiousness. So sometimes when we pay attention to the more unpleasant sensations and try to accommodate them, our mind starts to tighten up. And we compound the physical discomfort with a strong mental reaction. So as much as we're able to, we accommodate that unpleasant sensation and see if it's possible to feel unpleasantness and have our mind be open, relaxed, not suffering. But if you notice that your mind is tightening, getting reactive, and it's becoming harder and harder to bear the unpleasant sensation, then you can very gently attempt to soften your awareness, your attitude. Or if you find that you've gotten so bound up in the reaction, then it can sometimes be wise not to distract yourself or to go unconscious, but to gently, mindfully direct your attention to something in your body that you can accommodate more easily. Go back to your breath or find some sensation that you can rest your attention on, that you can kind of regain your composure, your ease of being. It can be useful just to notice and take an interest in the unpleasant quality of that sensation. Just noticing its unpleasantness. Sometimes mindfulness meeting unpleasantness tends to cut the chain of reactivity. Just knowing, oh, this is unpleasant. And then sometimes it's not, then doesn't feel so necessary to strategize or try to get away from it. So if your reactivity has gotten to such an extent that you're unable to then sit with the experience that you're having, as I mentioned yesterday, if you're straining or struggling to mindfully refresh yourself, perhaps make a very deliberate change of posture. And if you do make a change of posture, try not to do it reactively, try to do it very mindfully, the continuity of attention. As well today, when sounds become stronger than the breath, the breath recedes. That sound is predominant. We Let the sound fill our awareness and just be aware of that process of hearing. Everything is about process. Everything is changing. We try to be in harmony with this stream of change, changing sounds, changing sensations, changing breaths. Yet we rest in a steady, relaxed, open awareness. 
impartial, non-reactive, allowing life to present itself just as it is. Just this moment, just this breath, or whatever it is that's predominant. No need to look for anything but this. Attention mixed with kindness. Sometimes called kindfulness.
as you become more intimate with the gentle movements of the breath, you'll notice, as Mark mentioned, that sometimes there is a gap between the breaths after the out-breath before the next in-breath. There's a space. It's often in that space that our mind, if we're unmindful, our mind drifts into fantasy, kind of a neutral space. So it can be useful to sustain awareness in that space between the breaths, if there is one, by settling into a sense of our whole body, finding a touch point in your body, your rear, your hands, your lips, or simply become interested in that space, just hovering in that openness, silence, maintaining awareness until the next in-breath calls your attention. And if you don't notice a space between the breaths, that's fine. But if you notice one, to maintain awareness. And if you're struggling with reactivity toward the different sensations, it can also be useful to apply or use those soft, transparent mental labels, simply openly acknowledging the quality of feeling that's presenting itself. If it's aching, Gentle noting, aching, aching, burning, heat, pressure, whatever it might be. It's a way of simply opening to, acknowledging and not interfering with the, accepting the fact that a sensation is occurring. everything in the direction of making space for what is present and maintaining a continuity of awareness. Just this moment. Whatever is predominant.
So we have a few minutes again this morning for any questions that you might have about the instructions, anything you're noticing in your practice, anything that's been set up to this point. And again, a reminder, as Mark said yesterday, that, uh, to feel free since your question or comment might be of some benefit to someone else in the room. So, um, please. Uh, excuse me, he said, it, would a mantra or an image be, be helpful? And what was the mantra that you used yesterday? It was, uh, oh, and it was at the yoga class. You chanted ah, and then we chanted oh. Oh, they chant, you chanted ah and oh. Well, in general, uh, mantra meditation has, you know, is one of those, uh, <clears throat> it is a useful practice for developing tranquility. But our, our aim is more here to develop insight. So we do, we do use our, the different methods to help us have enough tranquility to be able to notice what's going on and, and have insight and wisdom about it. But we generally try to use as our cause of or as our anchor um, of our attention, that which creates the conditions for tranquility, we try to use what's actually happening. We try not to add anything other than the sensations, um, moods, thoughts, images, sounds. We let everything draw us here. And so we don't, in this case, in general, add an, another image or a, an intentional image or a mantra. If you, you know, if you are used to mantra meditation, you will notice that your mantra visits. And mostly you want to be mindful of that and not so much... Uh, extend it while you're here. Okay, I hope that answers your question. Please. <laughs> why would why would escaping our pain into memories of the past not be that uh, why would that not be what we call skillful means the tendency is when we escape something it's a in some ways it, it is a um, sometimes a hidden hidden uh, kind of aversion it's saying to that pain, I don't like you. And usually when we say in whatever way, implicit or explicit, I don't like you, it tends to turn that pain into something more scary, more monolithic, harder to bear, uh, and it actually increases our, our tension. And then, in the long run, makes it harder to be with those things that we can't escape, no matter how much fantasy. So we try to train not so much for the pain to, to feed the pain. We don't want to become religious about the pain. We want to see if we can meet pain and not think we have to stay there forever, but see if we can meet it long enough that we can see the difference between the pain itself 
and our reaction, our not liking it or our fear of it or our aversion to it. So we can see, is it possible for me to have a moment of pain and many different pains, have pain and have my mind not suffer about it so that I'm not constantly in need of going somewhere in order to find some relief. If you, have, if you are so reactive to the pain and your mind has gotten so weary and so withered from, from trying to be present with it, you can still stay, stay conscious and feel free to think about something from the past. That's fine. But you're, stu- you're doing it in a very deliberate, very mindful way as opposed to a kind of chronic escape valve, which is, just creates more aversion. I don't know if that made sense. There's so much we could, maybe Mark will say much more about it this evening, but, uh, or right now, but this is a, I think your question is great. And I would just add one thing, which is, um, so you, you can go to the, the memories or whatever as a, as a counterpoint, but it's actually more skillful to just shift the attention to something neutral. So you, you have the pain, it's chronic, doesn't go away, be with it, as Howie says, for some period of time, and then go to, to the breath, go to some other part of the body that's not in pain, listen to sounds, open your eyes, be aware of space. So you're, you're, we're developing the, the freedom to move our attention in any, any direction, and to have that capacity to be able to have resilience when these things are difficult, and that's partly supported by learning how to shift the attention that's, to, to where's most supportive. So just because the pain is there doesn't mean to say we need to be with it, we notice it, and then go to something that's a little easier to rest with. Breath, sound, space. The way we're wired is, it's, it's not so unlike if you accidentally hit your thumb with a hammer. That pain draws our attention, it's very intense, and then we somehow think that it's, um, it is the whole world, it's monolithic, and then our mind starts reacting to it and becoming fearful about it, strategizing everything. And it's so easy in that tendency to forget, as Mark's saying, that there are many elements of your body that, are, that you can accommodate that are neutral, that are pleasant, and that we have that freedom to shift our attention. And it's the same with our worldly affairs. We, we think when you hear something terrible is happening, we think it's all terrible. And really, there are many beautiful things happening in this world. So it's the same, really, moment to moment with our bodies. Please. I think along the same lines, um, how, I'm wondering, um, how do you reconcile reality when it's really raw and harmful? And I'm being very specific, you know, uh, a suicidal parent, uh, a knife getting closer to you, something that it's, you know it's going to be harmful. How do we reconcile that response? Uh, when you say reconcile that response, you mean to be mindful of it? or Yeah, to be, to the, the thin balance between the acceptance and the maybe having to run away and mm-hmm. react Yes. Out of your own self-protection. This is a long, long-time question. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great question. Do you want to take that question, Mark? Or you know, I'm I'm happy to as well. I could start, and then you could. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an ongoing theme, and it's a, it's a really important theme. Um, the you know, it's useful to understand the the context of mindfulness 
in the context of the path, which is the Eightfold Path, which is mindfulness is one aspect of it. And from my perspective, wise mindfulness leads to wise understanding and wise action. So it's not an end in itself to be aware, to be mindful, to notice, 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 and then the, the, the knife goes in, or you, you notice the, the cliff and you walk over, like, that is not so helpful. <laughs> the point is in service of happiness, wisdom, freedom, compassion, right? So we, res- so we use the clarity of mindfulness to then discern <coughs> what's wise action, you know? And so if it's in the case of suffering, then we reach out or we self take care of ourselves or you know in all manner of ways that we can skillfully interact or intervene or take action uh, or call for help or whatever it is so always to remember the mindfulness is in service of clarity understanding that supports wise action yeah for ourselves for others for the world for the planet and and we're basically trying to shift our usual reactivity that often leads to unwise action, being reactive, aversive, grasping, we try to shift that to more responsive action where we actually see something a little more clearly, more wisely. So our, our conditioning is, as the second noble truth, is to be reactive and we're trying to be able to meet things with much more wisdom. It's very simple in a way. Please. In a previous Vipassana retreat, there was a much more emphasis on labeling. To make sure you label your dress, right? right? <laughs> make sure you label all the nuances of your you, you loved that, didn't you? <laughs> he said there was a greater emphasis on labeling on a previous retreat. Um, you know, in walking, you would do sort of pushing, lifting, moving, placing, and you do all the. You make so, it sound really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they I think the instructor there wouldn't describe it as a dragon's fly wing, maybe a robin's wing, you know, with a little bit more emphasis on that. So I'm just trying to reconcile what I should be doing. I'm a little confused about how much emphasis I should be placing on That's a great question. And it is one of the many skillful means that are offered in different retreats with different emphasis just to say it's it's not an absolute so you can so that may that ambiguity may may be unsettling but it it just is the case that some people emphasize it more but it is it's really considered a a support to the key is to try to see things as they are that's the aim is to be able to be with things to see what's clearly what's presenting itself and to be able to do that in a non-reactive way. And so whatever, whatever helps you to open to your life, that's what's important. So we don't want to lose track. We can get so caught up in the method that we forget what the, what the actual aim is, to see more clearly. So when you use the, the mental labeling, we make it optional on this retreat. Most important is that you notice. But sometimes people find it very helpful to, because of our tendency to elaborate a lot, to, to have a running commentary about our experience, to keep, to use our conceptual mind in a very simple way, just to, to give the, the bare facts of what it is that's happening. And part of the value of, the, of using it, if you are, is that you can tell by the tone of it how hard it is. 
you could sometimes tell by the tone how it is that you're relating to what it is that you're noticing. So if that, if that note gets very loud, you pain, pain, or achy, achy, you know that there's a little aversion in your mind. You, and so you can, one of the ways that you can use it is you can moderate the tone. You can turn the, rat, the robin's wing into a dragonfly wing. You can, you can make little adjustments with it. It's a very, for many people, the, just having concepts in the mind feels like an interference, like something extra. And so it's an art, and some people connect with it and some people don't. So it really is up to you. You have to be your own authority. I found it very useful in my early practice just to keep that, keep a gentle noticing in the softest tone possible, just to, to in some ways prevent me from excessively elaborating on everything. Just kind of, just, oh, aching. So that I'm not saying, aching, oh, poor me, and why is it happening? It shouldn't be. It's just aching, aching. And then... It allowed me, if I just kept that noting, it kept my, my attention there. And then I could notice what happens to that experience and I could see that it's changing. So, again, Mark may have some comments about that. But. I'm just noting it. Hand up here. Please. <coughs> Well, liberation is the goal, but the idea here is that, that liberation generally comes through seeing clearly, through insight. And is, I guess I, I think of insight as a, as a very a thinking act. That's what I'm she says she usually thinks of insight as a thinking act, but um, meditative insight comes in many forms. Sometimes it's just an aha Sometimes it's a bodily opening. Sometimes it's just a realization. And sometimes it will, be, it will uh, get filtered through our thinking mind, but it's not necessarily thinking. But it doesn't, pre- it doesn't exclude thinking either. But it's more just, if you're sitting with your, sitting with your body sensations and you feel aching arise in your knee, given today's instruction, and you notice that aching, your attention goes there, you, you acknowledge it, you accept it, and then you hover there for a little bit. And you notice that aching, without any prompting at all, gives way to burning, gives way to stabbing, gives way to itching. And you see that that process is changing by itself, so it's happening selflessly. You can't hold on to any particular sensation that's presenting itself right there. Just by being with that, you develop insight into the nature of change, the nature of selflessness. I don't know if that made much sense, but you don't necessarily have to think about that to experience it. You may have some reflections afterwards, though, but it's fine. Anyway, we do have to, I'm sorry, we have to um, move on to our, a few announcements and then some group meetings this morning. Uh, We will continue with the other half of the people who were not seen yesterday in group meetings. Today, uh, Mark, again, will be in room number two, which is a few doors down from the restrooms. I'll be in the council house where you registered. And there are a few people who uh, missed their 
meetings yesterday uh, with Mark. There is Tom P. Are you here? Tom P., you'll be going to either, either one of... The, okay, the first one of Mark's group, if you could please show up. And then Austin R., please go to Mark's, um, one of Mark's second group. And then um, in my groups, uh, both of you, please go to the second group, Christian E., okay, and also Marie. I'm sorry, I don't have your last name. Any Marie here? Marie. Hmm. Dis- Middle name Marie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the, th- the plot thickens. And then Mark also will be seeing uh, Nairi or Niri? Nairi? Thank you. In the second group. And last but not least, just you're um, starting to settle in now. And even though the first day is kind of like a swamp, uh, a little detox center, the second day can also be that way. But, but you may feel, start to <laughs> feel a little more energy today. But very much take advantage of this very rare, these rare and precious conditions to have nothing to do but, but attend to your moment-to-moment unfolding though open to, to life. And so please take care with all the transition periods, uh, linking the sitting and the walking together so there's just no part of the day that's, that's left out of your uh, careful attention. Lots of patience, lots of kindness when you see how much of the time you go on automatic pilot. But as much as you can, try to notice what you're doing with your hands, turning doorknobs, all those kinds of things that uh, we normally just miss in our life and have a great great day of practice and there will be a, a guided loving kindness practice at 5 p.m. today which is, and there will be a sign-up sheet for Ashley to meet with um, I think three three sign up three slots for to meet with Ashley one-on-one about your meditation practice or your yoga practice either one and those meetings will be held during what, the first walking period, second. second walking period this morning, and then, and then Ashley has another one. And then um, I'd like to offer yoga seated, uh, or actually movement in a chair, for those of you that would prefer to do seated movement today at 10, so in 15 minutes here in the hall at the back, we'll do seated movement. Thank you. Anyway, it's nice sitting with you. Have a great day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.